blockchain cannot be tempered or changed or revised. Uh, once the information is there, it will be stored online and uh, publicized to the entire network. Welcome to the Ivy Academy Presents Leadership in Practice, where we discuss critical issues in business, unpack new research, and talk to industry leaders about the latest trends. The Ivy Academy and Ivy Business School are located on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, Odnashoni, Lenapewak, and Chinonkton nations. This land continues to be home to diverse indigenous peoples, whom we recognize as contemporary stewards of the land and vital contributors of our society. Leaders always need to think ahead, especially when it comes to technology. Digital disruption presents challenges, but also offers unique opportunities across every industry and sector. Blockchain technology, while mainly associated with cryptocurrency, has the potential to be applied much more broadly to information management and transaction in our digital world. But how will that affect organizations? In this episode of Leadership in Practice, we're joined by Hubert Pun, Associate Professor of Management Science at Ivy Business School, and Carrie Song, Ivy MBA 2023 candidate and Executive Vice President at ViewFin. Our guests unpack the basics of blockchain and give real-world examples where blockchain is providing new opportunities for businesses to reach customers on a global scale. This episode is hosted by Brian Benjamin, Executive Director of the Ivy Academy. Let's get into it. We're going to have a leadership lens through all of Mm -hmm. this. It's critical to be thinking ahead, especially when it comes to technology. So digital disruption is a significant challenge. We hear this day in and day out right now, uh, but it's also a unique opportunity for most organizations and industries. So Hubert, my question to you to get us started is, as a leader, why should I keep digital transformation and disruption top of mind? Well, so basically being a leader, you have to think ahead. So you can imagine that Blockbuster is getting eliminated by Netflix around 2020, uh, 2010. Bookstore, Barnes and Nobles, it get like a threatened by Amazon as well. So therefore, being a leader, you need to think ahead what will happen in the next five to 10 years and then act accordingly. So my job is to educate you to let you know that what can blockchain be done and then so that you can think ahead and get ready for the future. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I find and we'll dig in a little bit further as we go through our time here today. Um, you know, thinking five and 10 years out, it uh, used to be a little easier, I find. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even five months out, you know, the world is changing so rapidly. So I'd love to to, to hear more about how we're going to be able to do that and, and anticipate what's coming. Carrie, let's uh, hear a little from you. So you've built business in a rapidly interesting time, right? Lots going on, lots changing in a very sort of emerging field, if you will. Uh, how would you recommend that leaders keep themselves current on digital disruption uh, and new trends based on your experience? Thank you, Brian. Uh, there are several ways for leaders that can keep themselves current on digital disruptive technology or new trends. Now, um, the first suggestion I would have is attending those conferences and events. And conferences events are focused on the digital disruptions in emerging technologies, a great way for leaders to stay updated. And the second would be follow the publications and blogs um, 
that uh, for certain industries, uh, for example, the CoinDesk would be a, a platform that uh, for you to understand the, the blockchain technology and join some online communities. That would be another way of uh, learn the communities and uh, most updated technology as well. And also um, connected the thought leaders. I spent the whole summer and play golf with the AI um, CEOs. And this is also a, a great way of learning. Um, experiment some of the new technologies if the industries or the companies that you're working in and encouraging that this kind of environment I would highly suggest the leaders take um, uh, the lead of the project and spearhead it for some of the projects because you would be uh, supported by the company and that is um, a, a very safe environment to just give try and an error in a small scope and also um, uh, stay connected with uh, the wider industries so you're not only limited to your your own industries, but also include to the industries that it is relatively new and uh, it might, uh, your industry might be benefiting from that new technology would be another suggestion. Obviously, there would be other way of joining professional or uh, alumni um, organizations that um, will provide you opportunity as a learning. Again, this is ongoing process. Um, I would encourage all the leaders, uh, give yourself opportunities to expose to the new technologies in uh, different ways. If we don't have um, the uh, talents in the organization, they'd be able to update you monthly or weekly for um, what's going on in the industry. We still have different channels to learn uh, for those kind of uh, uh, new technologies. That's my suggestion. Amazing. Thank you. Many suggestions within that suggestion. And, and what I particularly liked was, um, you know, some free and, and fairly easy to access options around sort of online communities. I'd love to dig in a little bit more as we go through to maybe have some recommendations because there there is so much um, out there, you know, kind of are a few areas sort of emerging to the top, you know, through to more um, significant investments around conferences or different groups and, and associations. But I really like the idea of don't feel um, that you need to stick within the industry that you're in. Potentially, you're going to change industries over time or blockchain technology maybe isn't as prevalent in your industry today, but it could very well be um, in the future. So there's lots of, of new learning opportunities there. Uh, so let's go to let's go back to you, Hubert. Could you tell us what blockchain technology is in, in a very sort of simple and easy way to understand and how it differs from a typical centralized database? I'll also sure. sort of ask you a little bit more about why it's important for business, but let's get the understanding kind of done first. So let me give you a brief overview about what is blockchain. So basically, blockchain is a chain of block. You can imagine that a block can be any content, a video, a file, or a photo. First, let's say I create a block. And then you, Brian, create a block. And inside the block, you point to me as the first block. And then Carrie create a third block and put whatever information that Carrie like to point. And then point to you as well. So that is a chain of blocks. In the old days, usually we talk about a centralized database. What is a centralized database? I'm a professor. You can imagine that I have an Excel file. And the Excel file consists of all the grade of the students. I am the only one that can access and make changes to the file. However, you can imagine another situation. Now that, let's say, Rodman, Ivy, Queen's MBA program, they like to join forces for recruitment. Then who would be responsible for the database? There's no centralized person 
to be responsible. So that is where blockchain coming in. So then blockchain would be distributed and decentralized. Distributed, that means there are multiple copies. Decentralized, that means different people can make changes to different copies as well. And basically that helps to solve the problem of the trust. So basically in the past, so then if there's a centralized database, as a professor or the student, trust me. So I am the central figure. However, as I mentioned, if like uh, the joint force between like a different business school, then there's no central figure. So at that point, so that with the blockchain, since that is distributed and decentralized, that make sure that no one can make changes without other people noticing the change. That makes the database to be permanent and immutable. So therefore the keyword that we are looking at is that blockchain solve the issue of trust. Can I just jump in super quick? I, for I think the benefit of a few in the audience, how do you define a block? Like what is an actual block? Sure, a block can be any type of information. So then I put inside, let's say a file or a video, that would be what I like to have on my end. And then I pass to someone else, to yourself. And then you put whatever information that you like to put onto the block. So therefore a block can be anything. And then a chain, that means your block have a signal that point to my block. So therefore I am block number one, you are block number two. While carrier have a block that points to you, Brian. So therefore that define carry to be block number three. So therefore that is a chain of block. And then this chain of block have multiple copies distributed. And then anyone can make like an upload to the information. Once people upload to the information, all the blocks get propagated to everyone. Okay, thank you. I'll let you continue on. <laughs> okay, sure. Like I saw right now, so let me provide some interesting example that is happening in real life. Bitcoin, obviously that would be the first one. It's a cryptocurrency. So you can imagine that in the past, so then if you make any digital transaction that is through the bank, so I make a purchase through like a, my credit card. So then TD Bank, my bank actually make some like a record to this transaction. For the Bitcoin, actually there's no centralized database. So at the point, so that like everyone have a copy about what everything is going on. With that being said, with the encryption, so then every information is anonymous. So you know something is going on, but you don't know what, like who have made those con uh, uh, transactions. Another example would be Walmart food traceability. So basically people like to know where the food is coming from. So that Walmart have done is that, well, it traced the entire supply chain all the way to the farmer, to the distributor, to the wholesaler, to the retailer. So therefore, when you use your QR code with your smartphone, then you know the entire supply chain. Another example about like the traceability. In Hong Kong, there is a diamond firm called Chow Tai Fo. What they have done is to use blockchain to record the entire supply chain of the diamond that eliminates the problem of blood diamond, which is the diamond that is coming from the military fund. The third type of example would be also food traceability, but then connecting yourself to the farmer. Starbucks, okay, Starbucks, what they have done is that now they have a traceability, blockchain power traceability. So if you like to know where your coffee bean is coming from, 
then you swipe the QR code, then you know where the coffee is coming from. And then there are other from IBM, Accenture, MasterCard. What they have done is to allow you to tip the farmer. So let's say, well, like I appreciate the farmer to farm the coffee bean. In the past, you don't know who is the farmer, but then right now, all you have to do is that on your cell phone and then just to send a tip and the tip get directly transferred to the customer. Not all the example is like a successful. Some of the example does not lead to a happy ending. Let me give you an example. Well, like there is a partnership between a shipping company giant Maersk and also IBM. Their original intention is to eliminate paper transaction between the custom, between different shipping company. Well, like uh, the platform is called TradeLens. Unfortunately, this platform actually stopped functioning in November 30th last year. So that is some of the example of a blockchain. Another topic that is very closely connected that we're hearing about all the time, NFTs and cryptocurrency, um, sort of the digital currency and you know, a lot of uh, a lot of you know talk early on about Bitcoin, but it's you know certainly evolved and and gone much broader um, over the last while. Uh, so, Carrie, what are the benefits of using blockchain technology? Um, you know, and how can it help to improve sort of business operations? And we'll we'll dig in a little bit to uh, to this whole NFT crypto uh, space as we start to go through this. So. All right, just want to conclude uh, what uh, Professor Pong just mentioned about um, there are five main uh, characteristics about blockchain technologies. The first is it's decentralized. Um, so decentralization gives that uh, there will be no um, a centralized unit to control over the information. So that is one, and it protects uh, all the data and also um, prevent the cyber, uh, cyber attacks. So this is one of the, I think, advantages of all benefits of uh, blockchain technology. The second would be immutabilities, which is uh, blockchain cannot be tempered or changed or revised. Uh, once the information is there, it will be stored online and uh, publicized to the entire network. So every one of us can go online and see uh, the transactions it's posted there. Um, with the technology, it is not be able to do that. All the transactions has been posted online. So um, all of us can go online and see, especially when the NFT implications of proven of uh, ownership that has been recorded online and uh, you can go online. So there's no way you can delete it, but you can add information to the transactions. So that's also help us with the um, to understand and build the trust between the parties. The fourth would be it, it's executed between the smart contracts. So meaning that um, it is a self-executing um, actions, which doesn't um, give us a lot of way of uh, to change or um, take it back. So it is also uh, in good um, applications for, uh, for example, as um, uh, Professor Paul mentioned about the supply chain management and also as an uh, escort, um, that is real life uh, use cases we've seen. And it's more faster and more efficient, giving us a perfect example about cross-border uh, money transferring and uh, today, uh, and uh, we, we still have a lot of challenges uh, facing for 
between the banks, cross-border transferring funds. Um, there are so many opportunities for uh, the risks involved and also um, to improved as well. So overall, for any of the industries that, as what we mentioned before, um, it involves supply chain management, it involves financial transactions and money transfers, uh, and also digital identity and the KYCs, and also asset tracking and uh, proven, uh, proof of assets ownership, and also voting for the governance systems, they will also benefiting from the blockchain technology. Terrific. Thank you. In terms of, you know, let's continue to, to sort of move forward. Maybe, you know, you talked in our briefing call around uh, you know, examples around, you know, how blockchain technology is sort of reinventing the way that we used to do things. One that struck with me was sort of land transfers and, you know, sort of no longer needing to go to a lawyer's office, you know, as you're buying or selling property. Are there examples that, that you think the, the audience would resonate with that, again, will, will sort of help us better understand how this uh, often sort of, um, you know, nebulous piece uh, of, of amazing technology can help us in our in our day-to-day -day lives. Well, I can start off with an example and then I'll let Carrie to continue. So then Amazing. you can think, yeah, sure. Like uh, you can think about as a supply chain financing. So then in the past, like, uh, so let's say if that is a TF3 or TF4 supplier that needs to have some cash or to needs to have some capital to continue the business. Well, like at that time, so then like, uh, so it needs to prove that that is serving the manufacturer. So then therefore sometimes it is just a little bit difficult for them to get the cash. Another example is that, let's say if the, uh, like a tier three supplier have delivered something to tier two, it usually takes like a few weeks for them to receive the payment. Well, you can imagine that what would happen if during the few weeks they need to pay the worker, pay the rent, and so forth at that time. So they may risk to have a bankruptcy. So if that is actually the case, then like if the tier three have problem that cause problem to tier two, tier one, and so on and so forth. Well, like a one thing with the smart contract that Carrie mentioned that is built on top of to the blockchain. So then right now, if a tier three supplier provide a component to tier two, then all they have to do is to swipe the QR code at the time. It automatically triggers the payments. So therefore, rather than waiting for a few weeks, now the tier three supplier can receive the payments within like a half an hour or an hour that dramatically increase the efficiency of the transaction within the supply chain. So Kerry, what else do you think? Well, supply chain management is always a challenge for, I think, a lot of uh, industries such as um, delivery, anything involved with the manufacturing. I, I think one of the um, improvement that was using the blockchain technology is that um, there will be on-time verifications at the spot instead of um, uh, going back to uh, use a centralized resources center, for example, that usually hosted as a server somewhere to call the information in order to verify. Uh, but with decentralized formats, um, you can uh, get the confirmation right away. In um, some situations, when we wanted to confirm the authenticities of the product, this is a, a sort of information would be uh, managed decentralized in a, a in, in a more efficient way. You know, I'm hearing some common themes around, mm -hmm. you know, I hear speed, I hear security, I hear transparency. And, and you know, I think in, in this age where things are moving so fast and, and, and leaders are being challenged to do, to do more and to do more quickly, 
anything that supports speed um, security transparency, I think will be will, will become more and more prevalent. Um, I'd love to, to sort of start to dig in here around uh, NFTs and cryptocurrency. So, so uh, I'll, I'll throw it open to either panelist and, and you decide who wants to jump in and, and maybe you both want to comment. Uh, just maybe a quick level set on what exactly an NFT is. So you can imagine that like uh, the thing can be physical versus digital. There's a fungible and also non-fungible. So basically fungible, that means like uh, it's mass production. Everything is the same. While non-fungible, that means things are different. So let me give you an example. Cash or casino chips. So let's say I have $10. You have two $5. Basically my $10 is equivalent to your two $5. Everything looks the same in the digital realm. So let's say Bitcoin or even air mile. So you have some air mile. I do have some air mile. So both are digital. And then basically my air mile is the same as your air mile. Everything is like the same. Non-fungible. That actually means that we are unique. So for example, I have a house. You have a house. But then your house is different from my house. I have a Canadian passport. You also have a Canadian passport. However, your passport is different from my passport. That would be on the physical side while on the digital side for those of you who like to play video games. So then a lot of time you can use money to purchase a video game skin. So let's say you purchase a video game skin that is really suitable to your taste while I purchase something that is suitable to my taste. They are both video game skin. However, they are actually different things. So blockchain is the technology, underlying technology that allows everything to run. Well, NFT is one of the possibility or one of the application. I just want to give a, a quick overview about uh, from the business side, how we view NFT and what um, like as a business or executives, we will be benefiting from the, the new innovations. NFT is unit of data that use um, it's saved on the digital ledger, which is called a blockchain. And also um, it cannot be copied, tempered, or subdivided, and it is um, a, a sort of like a certificate. Uh, the purpose of that is to prove of ownership and also authenticity. So this is basically the NFTs, and um, it can be a, a product related to one NFT token, and, and, and then proves that uh, the ownership is, is you. Um, so this technology has been in the real use cases, um, if we can uh, look at the digital arts, um, one of the Beepo's um, 5,000 days, and it's recently auctioned in Christie for 69 millions. So um, this is uh, the new, I think, innovation and also um, a biggest market that we can imagine in the future will grow into. Today, NFT market is about 100 billion uh, market. So um, this is one of the use case. And the other is in-game assets. Now, I understand a lot of us think, you know, I'm not a game player. How that's going to be relevant to my life? Yes, it, it will be because um, what the kids like today was games and the young adults will become something mainstream in the future. So in-game assets and also in-game lands that will be worth I wouldn't say equivalent with today's physical assets, but eventually will be at least, I think, half of the assets worth 
which is today. One of the examples I will give uh, to everyone is if you have a spare time, you can do some research for Decentraland. Also, Sandbox. There's a um, a little pixel on um, the in the game. It, it is uh, identified as a land, so you can purchase the land and also sell them. Uh, just like you do in the real world. Now, just think about timeshare today. Now, one of the challenges, I think a lot of complaints I heard is once I bought my timeshare, I can sell it. But if we tokenize uh, the timeshares, the assets of timeshare can be exchanged uh, hands easily with the token has been uh, uh, invented. The the other is because um, we, we sold our uh, NFT business. So I understand uh, one of the challenges in the real world is that uh, we always um, heard starving artists, but it doesn't necessarily to be that way because um, there is um, a need in between is the collectors and the artists. If there's a bridge up to bridging uh, two of them, and um, make sure that the creation has been um, compensated and also uh, the collectors uh, will have the exposures to different arts and uh, in a a very free market and this will help the both sides. also like to bring other examples on the NFT as well, like in the fashion industry. Nike actually purchased a virtual shoe company and the name of the company is called Artifact, okay, R-T-F-K-T. And basically they are getting ready for the metaverse. Another example, H&M. So H&M recently launched the first ever virtual fashion collection. So therefore, that would be another interesting application on NFT to the fashion industry. Well, in the sport industry, NBA Top Shot. So for those of you who like Michael Jordan, LeBron James. So when I was young, I get uh, like a Michael Jordan basketball card with him dunking. Okay. Well, right now, nowadays, you can actually get a LeBron James dunking video. So rather than uh, like a baseball card or basketball card, now you get a video, which is the NBA Top Shop that is working right now as well. So those are some of the interesting examples that is happening right now. Blockchain technology that trigger people to discuss about a digital currency. Okay, digital currency. So rather than using cash, credit card. Now, can we use a digital currency? Well, like uh, earlier last year in China, it is already work in production. So basically people in China, they can buy or sell things using digital currency that is issued by the central bank. Well, like a Canadian bank is also discussing actively about what we can do in order to have a digital currency as well. So you can think about that like a rather than having a lot of friction between credit card transaction or maybe like a cash friction. So if everything can be conducted in a digital manner, that would make the friction much smaller. So that would be a tremendous impact for you as a financial manager, because what digital currency can do to your business to eliminate some of the friction. Thank you for that. You know, Carrie, I think you hit on something really important around connection and and that starving artist example. 
is just expanding the possibilities for individuals to to reach and connect with new audiences that they otherwise wouldn't have seen. We know leaders are operating in a global context now more than ever, whether they are in a a local, uh, a national, um, or even a global, but more so I'm talking local national um, businesses, there's a global context, whether it's it's a supply piece, whether it's a customer piece, whether it's an awareness and an adaption of technology piece and and Hubert, thank you for, for mm-hmm. some of those, um, you know, additional examples. I think the more we can hear about, you know, organizations and, and what they're doing and, and you know, the, the Nike example uh, is great. I, I'm sort of, my head is expanding here because I'm just grappling with the, the, the world that, that I can actually touch and see and feel. And now we've got this whole other sort of uh, metaverse world around us as well. But again, you know, leaders need to to continue to understand what's coming and, and adapt and learn. And, and thank you again for being able to, to bring some uh, sort of light to that. Basically, my punchline is that like, uh, well, you have to be aware about your digital presence in the future. Like metaverse is something that yeah. people are discussing. And then being a leader, you have to think ahead. Nike, what they are doing is that they try to position themselves such that like a one day if people like to purchase a virtual Nike shoes, so therefore they would be ready to go. So for your organization, do you can you imagine there's a digital presence? Can that be done? If that is the case, you have to think ahead with the NFT and also blockchain. I, I've had this question and I see it come up. Why should I trust blockchain? So in the past, so let's say if two people that they do not know one another, if they like to do business, so then they need some kind of central person that everyone can trust. Let's say a lawyer, let's say a bank, let's say a government official. Right now with the blockchain. So basically the challenge is that like, a, well, like a, now I conduct a business to you. How can I trust you? Well, if everything is written in pen rather than in pencil, okay, pen, then if something gets changed, then like everyone would know what has been changed. So therefore that actually enable the trust because if you and I are conducting business and that if we have a contract such that it automatically trigger the payments, there's no way that you can take back your word. So then that enable the trust. So therefore, one key word of a blockchain is that it solved the trust situation. And Carrie, you'd like to add more on this? Even internet with the popularity of today, and we still have people uh, saying, I don't trust the internet. I still buy things in the physical stores. But e-commerce, at the, on the other hand, is also developing so fast. It is free country and that everyone can choose what they believe in. And some people believe for Federal Reserve and some people believe online shopping. And uh, obviously, blockchain is a new technology and it, it takes time to gain its popularity uh, in the normal um, life, for example, um, for futures that uh, implications that we haven't even know about it. Um, but again, this is um, the trend. It's happening and it will uh, covers our life from different aspects of it. Uh, you can choose not to believe any of it or it will happen just around us and uh, there's no way to stop it. I also like to quickly address as a like a, as a telecom or as an IT company, so what can be done to help the businesses? Well, like a, so if the leader are being forward looking, they are thinking about the digital presence. So at that point, they may or may not have the expertise to conduct such kind of digital presence. So therefore at that time, so if you are IT expert, if you're on the telecom industry, 
you would see the demand coming from the traditional like a firm, let's say Nike or H&M. So therefore, that will be a way that can help the businesses because how you can help your client to build a digital presence. Thank you again, both for um, pushing our thinking, right? Uh, Carrie, I, you, you hit it well when you sort of said, um, it's coming. <laughs> you can either sort of get ready and learn or, or realize that it's actually here, right? And, and leaders um, need to continue to push themselves outside of their comfort zone. But I, I get uh, texts from my kids all the time asking for money to be able to buy um, you know, whether it's a virtual shoe or a skin for a game, I don't fully understand. So there's companies that are, you know, taking full advantage. And, and I think the, the age is, is not just, you know, teenagers and young adults. It's going to be creeping up and up so that there's a, there's a market um, for almost everything if you look further and, and, and wider. Yeah, like a, so I, I also like to chip in as well. So then like a, so my kid in elementary school, high school have already talked about NFT. So anytime if you hear that like a, some keyword that is popping up from your kid or from your friend, that means that is turning like it's a turning point. So like a, right now, I would acknowledge that this is still like, a, well, it's a new industry. However, that would be high risk, high reward. Being a leader, are you willing to take the risk now that people are talking about that? Well, or do you want to be a follower, wait for 10 years, wait for the technology to be mature, and then at the time you uh, become a follower? So therefore, that would be the risk appetite. For sure. Uh, that makes um, that makes a lot of practical uh, sense. We, we've heard a lot of private sector. The question is, is, is where does government sit in, in this? And, and are there examples of how government is exploring this or, or discussing this technology and how it could benefit them that either of you are aware of? So as I mentioned earlier, crypto, like digital currency, okay, digital currency. And then the backbone of the digital currency that is on the blockchain. So that is something that people are talking about. Another example, well, like your health, like a record in the old times, if you like to go from one hospital to the other hospital, basically it's really difficult to transfer your health record from one place to the other place with the blockchain. So that will be immutable, that will be permanent, so that that facilitate the transfer of the record much faster. Or even COVID passport, like your vaccine passport. So some countries already using the vaccine passport that like the underlying technology, once again, is blockchain. So all all those are some of the application by the government. I'm glad to be asked this question. And uh, recently I had some thoughts on the government, the position of the government and how uh, the government plays a role in this new innovation. And there are two, um, I think, crucial topics I want to talk about it. Is the first one is uh, very important for the implication side, which is you know, how government is going to benefiting from these new innovations. Obviously, what we mentioned before, digital identities and KYC, I think a lot of um, the government jobs can be secured by this uh, new technology. Uh, I'm not going to expand a little bit more, but uh, just imagine that um, everyone born with a birth certificate um, and a hospital has all the patient's information. Uh, that would be 
uh, very benefiting for information stored securely. Uh, and also, you know, it is not forged identity or the identity can be checked in a very secure way. I've seen that uh, question pop up and then someone says, you know, how I'm going to protect my privacies. Um, actually, the blockchain technology can provide uh, provide you with the securities that there are two layers. You know, one is the authenticity that can be checked. And the second is the data has been stored securely. Um, this already been talked about it. And then there's a uh, technology workaround for that uh, answer that question. The second um, layer of the government role I want to talk about is that with the decentralized uh, autonomous organizations uh, came out of uh, the into the new pictures. I think government will be more and more uh, different governments because we are talking about there are you know, many governments in the world, and uh, we're not dealing with the governments in US and the government in Canada, government can be in China. So the government will be in a position of competing with each other for businesses. Giving myself as example, for example, um, 2017, uh, what happened is when Viewfin first uh, was in, in China, and um, we have office about 150 people so as a new technology company, this quite sizable company. And all of a sudden there's a new legislation came out and um, exchange that uh, back then was uh, we had and forced to be closed. And that triggers me, uh, came to Canada and started with a view in Canada. Later we have a new invention and we sold the company. But when I received the tax bill from Revenue Canada, it shocked me of course, but imagine that kind of a tax can be collected in, in, in the government of uh, China, revenue China, but they lost the opportunity and forced the business out of the countries in which, you know, Canadian government now is benefiting from it. So I think the government also um, would have opportunity to view uh, whether or not uh, what kind of what kind of um, businesses the uh, opportunities or opportunities for the business owners to establish uh, their businesses in their own countries. Um, that is also a, a question and a, a topic for different governments to uh, review that as well. I think that will be a trend in the future that um, we're facing different challenges is that um, the companies are more decentralized nowadays. And um, uh, I had um, uh, companies for um, all the blockchain technologies and employees all over the world. And I have Architect is located in France. I have uh, developers in US. I have uh, employees working in China. So how uh, the taxations will be introduced into the system as well. This is also a, a big challenge. I think even um, Coinbase today, they have uh, employees all over the world. Um, they can work uh, from home and in different places of the world. And this is a topic I think uh, it hasn't been sorted out. Um, and the, the take, it takes time to um, make sure that all governments will learn from um, the experience. Thank you for that that example. And, and, you know, it's interesting to sort of see what could be potentially coming, but also <laughs> hearing what's actually already underway that maybe we don't quite know about. Um, but there certainly seems like there's going to be countless opportunities for mm -hmm. the public sector to benefit from these technologies as well. Hubert, uh, mm -hmm. how fast is fast? So things are moving uh, at a really, really rapid pace here. Where's it going? And, and how soon am I going to be using these technologies? And, and how soon will this be even more prevalent than it 
than it may be today. So I'd like to have a quick uh, compare and contrast between internet and also blockchain. So basically, internet is started around the 1970s and then in the early days of the internet application. So then like uh, those are something that we can do things faster and cheaper. Let's say CNET or Amazon Bookstore at that time, there's already a physical like a newspaper and also physical bookstore. But then with the CNET and also let's say Amazon Bookstore, so people just can do things much faster. However, after a few years, nowadays the most successful company, they are selling data, selling yourself, Facebook, Google. You are you can obtain the product for free, but then you are the product itself. So then, if you try to like explain what Facebook, how Facebook and Google can make money to people like 30 years ago, they just cannot imagine about that blockchain. So then, blockchain, what is trying to solve is the problem of the transaction. So in the beginning, people are doing Bitcoin, like I so saw that is like just like a physical coin, but then Bitcoin for traceability, like I so saw that can be done in the physical world as well. But then, like at the future, it may be 10 or 15 years from now, people can think of something that just like Facebook, Google, that is completely different that people in this generation cannot imagine. And I can predict that that would be not coming from us, but most likely coming from our kids. I could see that for sure. Uh, Carrie, your your thoughts on sort of the how fast is fast and, and how quick is this going to be uh, becoming more mainstream? I think it still takes some time for this technology to be mature. And there's a still technical, I think, challenges um, for uh, people in the industry to solve. Um, just as uh, Professor Paul mentioned, it, it takes 20 to 30 years to be mature for this technology. Uh, in some sectors, however, will be a little bit earlier than the other. Um, so for the sectors or industries such as financial institutions and investment um, funds uh, that will be a little bit earlier adopter. I, I think they most likely to happen about, you know, um, investment portfolio, uh, investing to certain um, percentage in cryptocurrencies that will happen very soon. And in other sectors, for example, FMCG, as I mentioned it, and especially with industries, they're involved physical goods, and they're not needing the supply chain management intensively, and it will be a little bit slower adopter uh, than the other industries. I, that's what I can see. What I hear, though, is it's coming. Uh, and in some cases, it's here. Other <laughs> cases, it might be down the road, but it's it's moving. So as a leader, um, what do I really need to be paying attention to when it comes to um, sort of digital uh, transformation, some of these new technologies, blockchain, NFTs, like if you could sort of give a couple of really tangible pieces, uh, because there's so much, I can't pay attention to it all, but what do you think I should uh, pay attention to? Well, like I can start off. So basically being a leader, you need to learn as much as you can. And then trying to have some kind of like a brainstorming session to see what would happen if this in the, like if this particular technology impact my company. So therefore, that would be a learning process, a life learning process that you have to think ahead. What would be happening five years from now? That would be my quick answer, Kerry. 
Um, the other question I would have probably asked myself as executives is that um, how you customers um, think about uh, whether or not this is going to be benefiting from them. And as I mentioned earlier, there are uh, virtual realities, which is the metaverse is coming soon so that um, um, this is the newer generations, they are paying attention to the virtual world and also ESG and how as a business leader, I would be able to incorporate that concept into what is existing business that I'm being operating. I think that will be uh, something very mm -hmm. important. And the second, I would urge all the business leaders to, um, you're sitting on the gold mine. Uh, basically, you have the data that today uh, you would never imagine in the future that you would have. Uh, why I'm saying that? Because the Web 3.0 is coming and uh, the concept of, uh, of Web 3.0 is that um, each of us, we are owning our own information. So the information would not be free to uh, disclose this to others um, for the traditional business or the traditional internet companies. Uh, what I try to say is that um, right now, at this point of time, you still possess a lot of information which is uh, free to you or um, you will be um, having that information um, that you be able to understand your customer's behavior, understand, um, you know, the characteristics of uh, the, the the behaviors. And the, the, you, you can um, get a lot of information from that and uh, prioritize your information, your data, and uh, make sure that has been uh, linked to your business. And then and, 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 and this is some advice I will give it to all the executives who has opportunity to have uh, that kind of information. Thank you for um, pushing out the client and the customer. It's so critical. So, you know, my organization may be not necessarily further down the path as some of my clients or customers. So I got to be able to, to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Data is power. I hear a lot about that, right? And the more data I have that I can trust will help make uh, or help me make more informed decisions. Uh, you know, so as leaders, we need to push ourselves to get comfortable, to learn, to not be afraid to ask questions, uh, to be able to find new ways to be able, as Dr. Pun mentioned, to imagine where my organization could be in five years. Use these examples that you've heard today uh, with other organizations and even other industries to, to sort of say, hey, maybe this is something that's going to be beneficial for my organization or maybe it's something that's going to be coming to my clients that I need to be um, on top of. And I think the the underlying piece that I heard through all of this is, you know, talk to teenagers. <laughs> I think there's a lot we can learn from teenagers about uh, the metaverse, about digital, about, um, you know, assets that I can't actually necessarily put my, my arms around, but are still incredibly valuable. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership in Practice. We'd like to thank our guests, Hubert Pun and Carrie Song. Leadership in Practice is produced by Melissa Welsh, Joanna Shepard, and me, Sean Ackman Grant. Editing and audio mix by Carol Eugene Park. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. You can also find more information by visiting ivyacademy.com or follow us on social media at Ivy Academy for more content, upcoming events and programs. We hope you'll join us again soon.